You're listening to Red Nation Online. Kobe Sarkoti, very poor defending from Nick Hagelin. Wednesday, October 8th, Steve Harry and I'm Ian Clark, and is that a wrap on the 2014 season for TFC? A win-no loss to Houston at home should tell you all that is needed on what this team can muster in the remaining three games. Jermaine Defoe is back. But it wasn't enough as he missed a penalty kick and even up a man. The Reds were unable to close the deal. We discussed Defoe's return, TFC's countless chances, and what part of the matchday experience can MLC find left to sponsor. All this and more on the next 40 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. Actually, I was thinking, I was like, I'll just start off like saying, well, that was shit. <laughs> yeah, okay, so uh, so coming into this game, you were saying, this is the game that matters, right? That's what everyone was saying. That's, that's what you were saying. You were saying. There's not, two ways, yeah. Not you were saying this, but you were realizing that this is the game that mattered, right? This is the thing. And it mattered for a bunch of reasons, right? Yep. Jermaine Defoe's back in the lineup. If we don't win this game, we might not make the playoffs. We won't make the playoffs. We're... One step, one more step out of the playoffs, I think is the way. I think that's the way, I don't think we're mathematically out of it, but it's kind of says with with now three games left, if we can't win this game at home against Houston, how are we going to win away to New York and away to New England? And with the other games that other teams have coming up, it's it's pretty much the window is a small crack left. Okay, so Okay, so the silver lining? <laughs> should we should we do the silver line? Sure, why not? We've never been this far before, where we haven't been uh, mathematically out yet. Yeah, well, we, in two thousand and nine, we did have it down to the last week. Yeah, the last, the game, last game. But that was, uh, yeah, I guess maybe since then you could say this is the closest we've come. Well, it would be a real kicker if Montreal beat us in the end and knocked us out, <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be probably the worst thing that could happen. That would be awful. <laughs> and that technically, I guess, still is a possibility. It can always get shittier, <laughs> can it? Here's the other silver lining. Uh, maybe they can't justify doing a ticket increase next year. Yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> and did you do you know what I heard is that they apparently had the playoff ticket pricing ready to go oh. if they had won this game. Okay. So well, I, I guess we won't be getting that email tomorrow. I heard that uh, Tim Lywicki, Don Danny Dicchio was doing an interview with Tim Lywicki in the beer gardens today. And uh, they were together, yeah, yeah. He Danny's doing the interview, I guess, for TSN. Oh, yeah, right. He's on um, he's on Sportsnet sometimes. Sportsnet, I think there was jokes about how drunk he Lywicky was. Oh, <laughs> really, <laughs> yeah, anyway, doesn't matter. Like, you know, he's got a reason to drink, he could drink at the end of the yeah. season, yeah. He's Last like, I'm out of here soon enough. Well, trying to be positive, be the cheerleader of the you know, the organization, why yeah. not? Yeah, yeah, if he's not in a good mood. <clears throat> Fair enough, fair enough. But I think you He's the t- king, right? Yeah. You touched on, uh, I think, probably one of the key opening points. I mean, obviously, we talked about the importance of the game. But also, I think the other narrative was the re- return of Jermaine Defoe. 
So he was the missing link, I think, because every week, every other, every, every other week, maybe uh, we seem to be getting back our basic, our, basically our starting lineup, right? Yeah. So Defoe has been the missing piece for a long time, and even questions about whether he'd actually even play again this year or ever for yeah. Toronto FC yeah. uh, have been lingering. Um, I guess that was answered today. So Rick emailed us and said, Jermaine Defoe. <laughs> right yeah uh that's frustration speaking obviously because it's just like if you know three great chances from him at least three great chances if not more we felt that he sh- he could have easily won the- this game for us right anyway I-, I don't know what did you think i mean i felt so my thoughts were it was great to see him in the uniform again after all that agonizing and just fucking being pissed off at him fuck he's still it's just a great striker and can a great playmaker right yeah but i'm i'm still Upset with him? Yeah. Of course. All is not forgiven. Sure. I'm not saying I forgive him. Yeah. It's just great to see him play. But I just say, when you were saying... I'm just relishing the last moments we have with him. Okay. Because you were saying how, you know, there was speculation, and I probably should take a little responsibility for that, because, of course, I speculated that I didn't think we'd ever see him. Oh, I agree with you, though. Yeah. And it was funny, because I'm sitting there at the start of the game, and I kind of feel like a jerk. I didn't ask for his name, but someone came up to me and said, "Hey, what happened when they called right right after the starting line? What happened when they called it Defoe's name?" And uh, I mean, the stadium was ha- was still filling up when that happened. So I was like, "Well, nothing, nothing really. Hear. No one really did anything on any of the names. So I, like, it wasn't anything either way. They didn't boo him or yeah, cheer him. It was it was n- neither. But then he said, but then no he said, then he goes." Yeah, because I thought you said he wasn't—he he probably wasn't going to play for the team again. And I was like, "Oh, you uh, probably heard me for the last three weeks, essentially kind speculating of about speculating how, and how shitting on him." Going. Well, I mean, you know, and that rumor was floating around for a lot of things, and I felt like you know it, it had come true for some of these other superstars that we had before, right? Yeah. Hey, look, this seemed to be the common narrative that happens with Toronto, right? Yeah. I mean, so you can't help us for following through this theme, right? Yeah, and I'm just—and I'm just sort of pulling information from here and there and of course like i'm the main thing that i was pulling from was paul atfield's article in the globe where he said there was a text message between nelson and defoe that said if, if you're defoe, gone if you're gone i'm, I'm gone. gone i just don't think any of that was uh, you know the rumor of him possibly going to qpr and rumors of him there here and there or whatever and it's not that a stretch that harry radnap might have been looking at him or wanting him on that team i will be very surprised if he's wearing a jersey next season Oh, at Toronto FC. Yes, I would be too. Maybe so, I will. Maybe I'll. will put a lid on the bold, the bold statements that I'm making for the last month. But I would be surprised. And I was the whole game. I was making jokes, like when he missed the penalty. I said, I, I bet you he's standing there, being like with his eyes closed, saying, "In another two months, I'll be at Craven Cottage, <laughs> standing in the spot." You know, he's already he's already pictured himself back in London, uh, standing. You know, getting ready to f- finish off a goal for some other club in the EPL or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just uh, I, I I see where you're coming from, and I I do it. You know, it's like yeah, you know, we I, I, just, I enjoy just, seeing like I'm just, I just I feel like we're getting back to our starting lineup. I mean, it just seems like it, and this happens every year. But it doesn't. We're not the only team that this happens to. I mean, it always happens the wear and tear of the season, and all the other duties that some of these players have. It's just like they, you know, in, there's injuries and people are gone missing, and by the end, you sort of reassemble the starting eleven, right? So here they are, and this is the best team that we can have. And this is our best shot, right? I mean, you know, we put our best team forward for the most important game. And they played well. They played super great. In fact, it was heartbreaking watching them try. It felt like 
attempt after attempt, it seemed like it, this was all our ch- – I mean, I only counted four real good chances that Houston had, and I didn't really feel like they were attacking us much, and I felt like we were constantly attacking, going at them, coming at every itch, which angle. I was just like, how are they going to come at them again? How are, like, I was just super excited. What's going to be next? Like, it just felt like a, a somewhat creative game. Um, there was lots of, you know – Missed chances. Some players weren't playing to snuff. I mean, certainly Jackson was getting a lot of stick. Nick Haglin. There's a bunch of players uh, that were, you know, just felt like maybe they should have been in the lineup. But uh, regardless, I mean, it was just because of frustration. I think it was just like I think, and I think everything would have been remedied if any one of them had scored, right? Yeah. For sure. Well, that's the thing is that we were joking in the stands how Luke you know, Moore. Like, I mean, this is one thing I noticed from Luke Moore today. Uh, so many chances come to him, and he he barely gets on half of them, and the ones that he does get on, they don't look great. But he did miss like a, 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 a like a, a header in the six yard box that just went wide. That should have been a goal. Yeah. Right? Uh, there was uh, Defoe had three. Like he had the penalty kick. He hit the side of the net on one. And he missed one in the beginning of the game. Uh, and then he was called offside a few times where it was kind of maybe he shouldn't have been called offside. And maybe we shouldn't. Uh, maybe this leads to the segue with the ref. Because the ref <laughs> felt like he didn't use the whistle. He didn't want to use the whistle. I felt like in the first half, at least, he was scared to use the whistle. In fact, the only time I noticed that he used the whistle really was when either the linesman made the call or it was the end of the half. Yeah. That was the only thing that he did decisively was calling the half. And I felt like he could only call the half. And then the second half, it became a different <laughs> game where he actually, uh, you know, really had an impact on the game by calling a foul that maybe shouldn't have been a foul, but we, co- we were calling it a makeup foul for what happened minutes earlier with Jackson getting sat on by one of the Houston players. Uh, <laughs> sat on. Well, he, yeah. he kind of k- fell on top of him, and then th- there was no call. It was inside the box, uh, the dispossessed because of the foul that didn't get called. And then minutes later, Luke Moore... He got, I mean, his shirt got tugged, but like he went down on the box, and then uh, that's where the penalty that the foe didn't score on. Yeah, but then he put out a red card and he gave the red card to the wrong person. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he, I didn't that's even how we got. That. That's how we got seven minutes of added time was because Houston the, was sitting there saying, They sent out the lawyers, you gave off the wrong guy, you <laughs> sent off the wrong guy, and it, and we all knew that it was AJ Cochran that uh got the foul, and they think but they, he couldn't they, keep track of it, and they but I'm pretty sure they called it. On the speakers, it was AJ Cochran with the red card, but some other guy was had walked off, and Cochran was still standing there. And I couldn't. You're like, why is he still on, on the, the pitch, pitch right. and why is he still arguing with the ref? And who is this guy? And what is like, just what the hell is going on? And it took them seven minutes to finally. Sort and as it a out. kicker who's taking the penalty kick, the longer you sit there and think about what you're going to do with the shot, or where you're going to be in January. But I think it's more like, I mean, you psych yourself out on the shot, right? Yeah. And uh, so Dean and Howard in our section were saying, this is, he's going to miss. And I said, how can he miss on a sure thing? This is Jermaine Defoe. This is like not some, yeah. this is not Jackson taking this kick. This is Jermaine Defoe, right? Yeah, yeah. This is the guy. And they're like, Jackson should take it. They were like, anyone but Defoe <laughs> should take it because they were saying that, he, well, Howard was saying he's he, he's too early and he's too much pressure on him to score. He really wants to score tonight because he really wants to show that he's committed to this team somehow, right? At least the last goodbye kind of thing, right? And I felt and I felt that. I felt like he was playing, the, like, you know, some people said he didn't mail this one in, right? He was actually here to play tonight. I felt like he was here to tr- show up that he was maybe some of the critics, right? Yeah. Because he definitely had something to prove. Yeah. 
And you know, and you know, you know and then the fellow, that's what that, was more frustrating. What did Dino say after he missed? I don't know. What did he say? I didn't hear it. Karma. Oh, he called it karma, right? Yeah, because it was it was a, it wasn't, it wasn't a, maybe a legitimate foul, right? Yeah, which I, I think he was saying. Well, I thought he was saying. I thought he was saying karma because it was the FOMIS and the penalty after all the shit that he went through for the last month. No, because I was talking to him about uh, how I didn't think it was a, an actual foul. Oh. And I, I thought it was just was, him being like Defoe. That could have been either. Defoe's yanked us around and this is karma. You get a, you get a chance. And then, of course, on the way home, Matias came in the game as well. He was saying that just it didn't, it wasn't a clinical strike. You know, he he kind yeah, of looked, no, it it looked a bit soft. Yeah. And uh, as we're, we've sort of said these, we've talked a lot about Toronto's chances. You, I don't think we have we can do that without mentioning the game that this Houston keeper had. He was outstanding. He was pretty outstanding. And the other thing I'll mention is that it was genius to wear white. Because when Bradley was taking the kick from the outside the 18, he blended into the uh, netting and the goalposts, and it looked like you couldn't, you couldn't see where the keeper was. He was camouflaged. Like, I've never seen a player camouflage before like that on the back net. Genius to wear white. I'm just going to say that. Instead of pink. <laughs> not that I, I, I'm not, you know, I, I have nothing against pink, but pink, man. I like, think, well, was he doing Bendick? anything? Was he doing Did you see him how Bendick, at the end of the game, he made a stop with one hand? And I'm just like, oh, that's a bit cocky for a guy who, <laughs> I mean, he had some good saves, but then he didn't have some good, like that goal? The goal was, was kind of easy. Dicey. I mean, I know it was well, slick we, and everything, we, yeah, we, but man, it was a bit easy. And we didn't go over that because that was, I mean, you can't. Houston I, had four chances. Yeah. But they're, save all four they're gonna make a thing that that he fouled Hagland out wide, which I, you know what, I sh- I would do want to draw, uh, connect a dot yeah. with Nick Hagland because Nick he, Hagland was terrible today. That was uh, it. Really reminded me of uh, the game against DC, and you know how Toronto does that play where um, Bradley comes in almost a sweeper position, and the two center backs split out yeah, wide. Yeah, and they did that, and Hagland was out wide, and Nick DeLeon just closed him down and picked his pocket. And it's almost like it happened again where if you catch Nick Haglin out, and especially out wide, anyone with just a bit of pace and a bit of physical strength. I felt he was getting caught in a lot today, and I don't know what Vanny, what is he thinking putting him in the middle? He's not a strong player. You put the weak players on the wing. Justin Morrow is much better than him. I mean, Morrow would have been better in the middle. Man of the match, Justin Morrow? Yeah. The guy who got substituted? <laughs> that, was a, that was a strange Look, thing. I, I felt Moro had a good game. I don't know if man in the match game. He had a good game. I felt like he was strong. I didn't like. I didn't want for Lovitz. Lovitz coming in for him? That was a weird change. Well, I guess... It, it, and people were even criticizing Vanny for not even making calls. Like, at the half, it was still the same lineup. Yeah. Uh, we all thought Jackson It was pretty late out. when D-Row came in. And then when Lovitz comes in for Moro, and then Moro gets... The, I mean, 18 games at home. 18 players. That man of the match has got to be just rotating, right? It's not a real thing, is it? It's not real. Can't be real. Sorry. I mean, every one well, of them's won at once, haven't they? I like how we this. We're. Still, I'm sorry. Technically, we're still talking about the goal that Houston scored, Steve. <laughs> this is crazy, man. Somehow we've like you. This taken is a crazy this, game. This is a crazy this, game because it, it is. We're worth wrapping that if up. If you can't, if you my crazy talk, it was a crazy game. Yeah. That's what it is. Well, I mean, I wanted to mention this. Like, I wanted to wrap this up. I mean, he gets by Haglin and that yeah. angle. I mean, he was on an angle that was it was tight. Yeah, there was not yes. a lot, right. There was really no room, and that's kind of like where it's it's a little bit frustrating. You and get, I couldn't you even tell if it. it was short post or far post. It just, was far. Well, it went through him. It, it went but, through. But the angle was like a strange. It was like a not a good. 
chances for the shot shoot shooting right, yeah, angle. Yeah. Like I mean, it didn't matter where it was in the net. I don't even know how it got on the, in the net. Yeah. But uh, anyway, and it was raining at that point. I mean, I don't know if I want to give an excuse to anybody, but I'm sure that the pitch was certainly slick. I mean, the balls did seem to go fast. I I don't know. I mean, I, it was just it was weird. Hagland, man, he's just um, he's he, he's not a center back. Sorry, I don't think he's a center back. But man. you know, that's a it's that's going to be a bit controversial because a lot of people like him, and so there's people out there who think I don't know if a lot of people like him. They do. They seem to no, think he's better. Lots of people in our area were calling him out. Like yeah. They were saying, well, take no, I'm talking about like right? when I across you know whatever different mediums of sites and forums. And oh, things. okay. Other and they say, they, they prefer him. and they prefer him to Hagland. I mean, for him to Henry. But the thing is, is that. Uh, which was sort of interesting, and I personally prefer Henry. And I saw yeah, I saw some tweets from Dwayne Rollins, who was sort of saying, if you're talking about defensive statistics, Henry's better. But a lot of people see from Henry, they've seen is that he gets a lot of yellows, and he's been on the bad end of giving up yeah. penalties. So it's he's like passionate you know, about the game, though. I think but I mean, it goes to like you know, this is Toronto. He's playing for. Do us, you remember right? last week? Harry saying it's just like, you know, defenders are in that position where you make one mistake. Everyone sees it. Yeah. And whereas, like, if you know, if a winger or a forward gets a yellow card, I mean, what's whatever. Yeah, it's rallying the team. <laughs> it's seen as a broad. But I mean, I, I believe that. I think from a defensive standpoint, Henry is a better player. I think so too. And of course, from a, a, a the ceiling on his potential as well. That's those are my thoughts. And it's and if you want to say something about people like Mark Bloom too, but I thought I've thought some yeah. of some of Haglund's better performances have been when he's been at right back. That's what I think. Yeah, um, yeah but I don't disagree. Um, Certainly, he's better than the outside for sure. And uh, you know, I think they had options for the middle, and I think they should have made a substitution or changed or s- flipped that lineup. Morrow had a great game. I think Morrow brought lots of good dimension. I don't know if he's a man of the match, but he certainly brought dimension. He had his game. chances too. Yeah, I, he I, found I, himself in space uh, on in the second half. Yeah, where Bloom he slotted that one. Bloom just, didn't do the same thing. Like Bloom was playing the same position on the opposite side. He didn't do the same thing. He but he gave us another attacking dimension uh, constantly. Not man of the match though. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know who I'd give man of the match, but certainly not him. Well, the best, hands down, the best player on the pitch that today was Houston's keeper. There's no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, obviously, we're yeah, talking about yeah, but the man of the match doesn't go to the. I know, <laughs> I know. I'm saying certainly uh, he played well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there was there was sequences where we had sometimes two or three chances on goal, and he was in. And there was again like that Luke Moore. The Luke Moore uh, had a chance, and he made that diving stop. I was thinking, and it reminded me of the the Bendik save in the first half, where Bendik also made like an impossible stop, where he just sort of been. Oh like, yeah, yeah. He slid over, and the ball came, and that was a for sure goal. Houston should have had. I mean, he robbed Houston of that goal, but like. Fuck at the end when they start passing it back to bed. Like the six, seven minutes of ad- additional time is kind of un. It's like a third half, right? Yeah, it's crazy, unheard of. And then at the end, like they need to be pressing forward, and then they pass it back to Bendik, and I'm just like, "Are you fucking kidding? Like this is the last minute. <laughs> you can't be going back to Bendik at this point, and you're up a player. They yeah. didn't even play like that. Oh, that so we, we should talk about this because yeah, because we aren't you. We haven't sort of like added that. We into haven't this even old- calculated much of this. So w- the way we played tonight when we were short when we were up a man was we played defensively three men on the back line were not even in the play and so Houston was actually outmanning us shorthandedly <laughs> because they had all their players everyone was in 
and we were like three players that weren't even in the game and i was just like what the fuck is this like there was no strat i felt like the strategy Van- i don't think vanny was calling strategy or maybe they weren't listening or maybe everyone was just like caught up in the panic of trying to get these three points but man maybe it was disheveled like i think uh that that was maybe that was the thing driving this I don't know. It felt, I mean, we, it felt crazy. There was, I mean, we, we had this discussion as well on the way back. We didn't, we, were, we didn't, we certainly didn't optimize this, this shorthanded. No. And, and we were like, you know, there's points where I was watching Houston and the way that they were setting up defensively and they looked, they looked organized. They knew what they were like. They knew what they were doing. They made that transition. I watched the guys on the play. They were, their guys were calling each other off. You know what I mean? Like one guy was pressuring high, and then the guy that was the other midfielder, like Brad Davis, would call him off, call off like uh, Giles Barnes or whoever, and they, they would switch off. And and everyone was but they moving. Played, they also played zonal packs, right? So yeah. wherever the ball was, there was four players always in that zone, uh, picking up every player and making making sure that the ball wouldn't go anywhere else. So they were sort of trying to, but and. Try and prevent us from moving the ball, right? Because that's how you beat a team that's shorthanded: is you move the ball, you move it around them, you move it quickly, and and we sort of just got caught watching them. Like we would have the ball, and we would sort of see, and we couldn't make a play, and they they're happy to just sit there and watch us sit there. Right? Yeah, it's kind of I don't know. We kind of and the there end, was points where like one guy, like Giles Barnes, would just outrun three of our players, and there was that hilarious one at oh, the yeah. end, that last call where they got the free kick. Where he tripped and fell on himself, and they yeah. called the foul yeah. on Caldwell. But you, on Caldwell, yeah, you, I could tell if he hadn't of sort of stumbled over that, he would have been by him in two seconds. Like he went by everyone, and they didn't know what the hell was going on. And yeah, but he had he had made one too many moves and lost his balance. Yeah, he couldn't have made. I don't think he could have kept composed. Right, he would have. He was falling. Yeah, and he just tried to use Caldwell. I'm just saying, was, if he hadn't, the it, referee bought it. Yeah, it looked like. He was he was going straight to goal, and there was nothing no one I was gonna, anyone was going to do about it. <laughs> he just had that that look in him. Except Caldwell spaced him, right? Yeah, he spaced him. He wasn't going to beat Caldwell. I thought he looked. I thought Caldwell looked a bit shaky on that one. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah, couldn't tell where his footing was. Anyway, no. so Steve, with this with this loss, as we kind of stated off the top, it's not. I don't think technically the team is out, but. It's very difficult for us to be in. No, and it's it's. I think the most important part, like the the one thing I wanted to mention too, is that was a part of the narrative. People were saying, calling this one of the most important games in the club's history, coming into this, which I found a little bit depressing. That's some people were thinking this. Not that they were saying it, but I'm just thinking that people. It's the closest we've. I mean, you're saying it's not the closest we've come, but you know, it's in recent history. Yeah, <laughs> which but I just think it's, seven I think, years is all I mean, kind of recent. I think it's depressing that it's a it's a it's a game with four games left in the season that we're trying to hold on to not being eliminated for playoffs. That's our most important game, like not well, a, not it, a cup, not a cup final, like not a not a playoff appearance. Not I don't know, not uh, uh, oh, some. You know what I mean? Like historically, it's, yeah. I just okay, think I that's I just when I saw that I was just like, ugh, really? Like this is what this is what we were supposed to be getting up and cheering for? Like well, survival. We're just trying to survive. This is the most important game ever. No. But that's maybe the marketing, right? The smoke and mirrors part? Yeah. That's probably coming from MLSE. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. People were talking about lots of press, the press conferences that were happening before this game. 
funny we got shut out because you know the Leafs are playing the first game today so uh, in most of the media they weren't talking about the Toronto FC thing and like and one of those one of those weird things is Gilberto did a fitness test today he also tweeted about being ready to go and then wasn't even dressed for the game no so that was kind of weird Someone made a funny joke saying... I mean, because Defoe, if, if Defoe's injured, like, he could be injured again. Like, yeah. it's kind of risky to not have a replacement for him. <laughs> Although I saw a funny tweet that said maybe the uh, the black hole that swallowed up bright DK also got Gilberto because no one knows he's supposed to be back from injury too and, and fit and well, ready to go. Test, yeah. yeah, so it's like, where's where's bright DK and where's where's Gilberto? Yeah. I mean, those guys should be options. And it's in a game like this, right, when you're saying, why are we putting in Lovitz? Wouldn't you have preferred either one of those two guys? Oh over yeah, him? easily yeah. Right, give us another striker. That's you know that's all I got. Or certainly about our defensemen were like I mean you know the back three they weren't they were just spread out. I mean I know that they're there for to fill space and stuff, but like it doesn't help us, uh, you know, overpower our team kind of thing, right? No. You can't have a you can't have people running over like over flanks and like doing these runs, right? If you're if they're playing the back and just sitting on the back, Haglin was just sitting there. I was just like. Please move up. Well, inspe- well, I mean, considering he scored two goals last home game, yeah, might be might be useful to have him pushed up as far as possible. Yeah, he did go in for some of the set pieces. I saw whenever there was a kick, he they pushed him up, and Moro came back and filled in for him. There, that was the interchange for the set piece. Yeah, maybe it's because of height. I don't know, but they seem to be the same height. I yeah. don't know. I'm, not um, sure. I'm obviously going to probably just reiterate this though. That's you know, even again, if if the math is in our favor, I would say, and people say, you know, there's still a chance. I would reply saying, "Have you not been watching this team for the last two months? Like, right. what what indicators do we have that they're going to go to New York and win, or New or, England, or yeah, going to be New England?" And then, and I got to be honest. I mean, our home form is our home our home form is so mm-hmm. god awful. I don't think it's a given that Montreal. If they have that new signing Piatti ready to go, I'm not sure what his status is. He hasn't played, but he's all when he's on the field for them, they're they're a good team all of a sudden. Um, they're not complete shit. So I would be definitely concerned uh, that these next three games can not, really go none pear of these games, None of these games or anything. They're probably not going to res- result us in any points, right? So it's over. They should, but it's they, over. But you have to be. Yeah, we have to be realistic. It's over. Is that well, what you're saying? That's what we're saying, right? Hey, look. Hey, what about that chance that Bradley took the seventh minute when the keeper was off the line at the beginning of the game? Yeah. Wasn't that good? Yeah, well, I guess it was, it was good. good. But I also noticed that after 17 minutes, Houston had only had two chances, but they were damn good chances. Yeah. And they almost scored on both of them. Well, that's... They, they, Houston needed a few chances. That's, that's, that's the, the story thing. of this team, right? And we seem to build all game to nothing. <laughs> that's the difference. That's... Uh, I mean, they played great. They looked great. The passing, everything. But fuck, man, if you can't fucking finish, where are we? Yeah, We're and I mean bottom. that's something you we've been talking about for the last even even when Defoe has not been here. You've said you know our strikers. I guess keep it's not just the finisher. Down. It's like all the chemistry that makes a team work together. But and it feels. I mean, today felt like the closest we could have been, but certainly not. I mean, we've had better results like for last week, or last or two weeks ago yeah. when we had that game. We look. We played. We had a better result. Yeah, sure. and I think you came can, from behind. You right? can make a case that Portland's probably a better team in Houston. I think so. Yeah, for sure. So it's a bigger game. Yeah. So maybe our superstars make us. Uh, maybe our superstars just make us blind to the fact that we play shittier. 
Well, I mean, I that's know. that. I, I kind of want to save that kind of discussion for maybe one it was of, the blood moon for one of our last the lunar lunar eclipse. Yeah, I want to save that discussion for one of our last ones because I want to kind of we should at some point, you know, sort of analyze the the makeup of this team where it came from this year and realistically what needs to happen for because this it's, year. because the games where we get results are the surprising games when we don't have the good players. Yeah, or there are games where we're down and some monumental. Uh, determination in the last second, the second half pulls us through, right? It's not necessarily by design. It's not necessarily through controlling play or domination or anything like that. It's just like, oh, fuck. Like, we, wow, we really we pulled that one off. We pulled that out of our asses. That was great, you know? It's nothing, I don't, I can't think of, there hasn't been too many comprehensive victories or comprehensive games for this team, especially after, I would say, in the first six weeks of the season you know the opener against seattle was pretty close the away win in columbus was a good game um and i'm sure there's maybe one or two others somewhere in there that i'm that i'm that are eluding me but you know as we went through the summer there wasn't there wasn't too much to get overly excited about maybe the the away win in montreal too was a good game but i mean that was that was montreal at one of their worst points um, but, but today was just like defeating, right? I mean, well, yeah, not yeah. Not, not, not going into. I mean, because I didn't really pay attention to much of this, like the most important game thing. I don't like you said it to me at the beginning of the game, but I was like, okay, okay, that's context. But like, I haven't been thinking about this that way. But looking at the way they played, I felt, man, they're here to play. This is going to be great. Defoe's like this whole lineup is together. I felt like this team was. This is going to be a, a great game to watch. Yeah, and. I just uh, when they just couldn't score, I just felt like, like, you know, and the turning point was that Defoe miss on the penalty kick, and that's where I think we felt like at that after that point you started people just didn't believe anymore, like it was over, and I think the team didn't believe anymore. Well, I'm trying to remember, I just felt like that was we couldn't at that point we, we didn't stop playing, but we didn't play as fiercely anymore, and it felt like that comes with like a player like. The, psycho- the psychology of being a man up, like you have a man up, you don't have to play as hard, right? That uh, plays into this, right? I think you feel like, okay, it's a done deal. It's just a matter of wearing them down and it's just going to come. So you don't actually have to try as hard anymore. So I think that the going to a player down actually worked against us psych- psychologically and was our maybe the turning point in the game that made us come out of the game. Because I don't remember. We didn't try as hard after that. Did Defoe have any other close chances after that penalty? I don't think so. Because obviously the, the one where in our end in the first half we thought he scored and it hit the side netting and then there was another a similar play in the second half where he cut across the face of goal and he pulled it too far to the left and then there was the penalty. I think those are the only three really close ones that he had. Yeah. Um, Luke Moore had a good chance at the end. Justin Moore had a chance. There was a few chances. Justin Moore missed it by literally like the, the width of the ball. But nothing that was so bloody close like the... I think we should just start going blood. We should be putting bloody in everything because that's their bloody camp- yeah. marketing campaign. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, so it's a bloody fucking heartbreak. And here, okay, so here's that's my, what I think. Here's my segue. This is my segue out in my my little section of smoke and mirrors, sort of smoke and mirrors, to kind of say how you know I was saying how this 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 loss I think will obviously uh, upset the TFC front office because they think they they're ready to click send on our, our playoff ticket package. I think. And of course, it seems like they've been sitting on our season ticket renewals. Have you gotten a word about that? No, I don't think so. I, I think I think I saw something saying if you were ready to, um, if you wanted to buy extra tickets, you could get ready to do that. Like if you wanted to sign up for a second pair, because obviously they 
they must be floating around. Heading into this game, you know, I started seeing these tweets going around from Tim Bezbachenko saying, you know, there's going to be a big march before the game. We're going to get a march going. We're oh, get... what was that about? Right. So they set it up. So they started off. It gets it starts off sounding you know fishy off first, and then don't worry, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it home. So it's going to start at the at Shoeless Joe's where the Red Patch Boys are. We'll get there at a certain time. We'll all uh, meet up. And then he's going to head off to another bar, and we're all going to follow and march together. There's going to be a marching so band. So like a pub crawl. Kind of, and then it's like, but then they're all going to come together and march, sponsored by Budweiser. Shut up. This is fucking ridiculous, man. This uh, sponsorship that's, every no, that, 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 that's smoke and mirrors for a march, if I ever heard one. To that's, be like, hey, we're going to do a march sponsored by Budweiser. Who the I mean, fuck sponsors a fucking march? That's fucking bullshit, man. Just as much bad bullshit as like three people winning the HP thing at the drawing contest at the half. That's fucking bullshit too. All of it. I don't know why we pay for this privilege to be a captive audience for uh, two hours of advertising. It's, I mean, it's bad enough that we have to look at these ads on the side of the pitch all night, all night. And then at half you have to hear all this crap that goes on and you pay for the privilege. That's fucking bullshit. Sorry, man. And then to add extracurricular activities to this? Yeah. When does it end? When does the fucking bullshit end? We were, we were joking. Uh, so I was going back and forth on Twitter with uh, Kristen Knowles from Waking the Red and a couple of those guys. And we were saying, we were, some of them made a funny joke how they're going to start like working in, um, you know, like beer sponsors into the, the chants in the South End and <laughs> see if they can do that. Because, believe it or not, they offered to, uh, you know, they would pay for banners in the South End if they could put sponsors on the back of them. But no, I mean, lately this year, it seems like the, banners, times, the banners are fucking cheesier this year. I don't know. Like, last year when they had, like, the the no international games with the dollar signs all over, that, yeah, yeah. that, that was fucking great. And uh, the piss take of the, the Trillium Cup, that was fucking hilarious. Yeah, yeah. There's been good banners, but... The, these ones look very professionally done. I would say that MLSE's the, you, doing them. You know, it was a good one. MLSE making losing making losing seem easy. That was, that's classic. <laughs> that was fucking great. That's a classic. That was a classic for sure. It was. Uh, but I think uh, you know what? It's I think it, uh, it's tough to get creative at the, in these days because I don't think uh, you can do a you don't even the you, cheering. You is, can't do a good one and be serious about it. That's even, the problem. Even the cheering is kind of like static. Like I mean. You know, Kings of the North, great that you're fucking cheering Michael Bradley, but all you can do is, like, Michael Bradley, like, come on, there's got to be something better we can do. Anyway, I'm just saying it's the creativity is fucking, slight, like, just sucked out of this support, out of the supporters, I think. Yeah. Well, that's and why that's, thank God we have sponsors. I suppose. They fill in the gaps. They gap. can fill in the gaps. Isn't, the, isn't that what the whole plan yeah. was to begin with? Yeah. So uh, we have a game. New York, New York Red Bulls. This uh, I guess technically Saturday? this would be the game that could be. Th- so the Thanksgiving, Can- Canadian Thanksgiving. Yeah. Right? American Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, so will we be thankful? <laughs> thankful the season's over. Maybe yes. Thankful that <laughs> the uh, pain is over. We yeah. don't have to get our hopes up anymore. Let's you had a little bit of uh, like you had some. This podcast is like had the, the mood has gone up and down, Steve. It's been it's that's, you that's you were like thing, we had a, been, we had a bit of a laugh at the start, but I think now you've kind of settled into being like, no, this is uh, it's over, man. <laughs> no, it is over. Well, it's yeah, over. well, we said it. I mean, we said it. We're not like yeah, maybe the map, but it's like who's we've all watched this team for the last two months. Like 
I don't I don't see where they're going to come up with the the motivation, the determination, the the discipline. And uh, after a game like this tonight, I felt like they did everything they could. And it just felt at home. You're right. I think you're right. I think the motivation might be sucked out. I mean, this this was the best in self belief. Self belief. All conditions except for the weather. Best of all conditions except for the lunar eclipse. The best of all conditions, right? The lineups there uh, at home. So many chances. (laughs) Yeah. And it just feels like uh, it's never going to come. Yep. I think you're you're, maybe you're right on this motivation thing. I think that this was the game that fucking is the nail in the coffin. Yeah. So this was the most important game because this is the biggest turning point of the season. Yeah, and then we can't then, win. Then with the, we to, can't win with our best team. And then I think for another podcast, Steve, we'll answer the question: will be where do we go from here? And we can't win against a team that's probably equal in caliber to us, right? At so, home, yeah. We're, which which should give us the advantage. Yeah. So on that on that note, Steve, it is Canadian Thanksgiving weekend. I will catch the game against New York and try to pull together some sort of episode. Uh, either on Sunday or Monday. So, well, someone will when discuss. Is, the game? is it Saturday? Saturday? Yeah, it's Saturday. Yeah. Discuss what happens in this in this result and if if Toronto technically are still in it or not. Um, that's going to be interesting to see. And Steve, you might get your wish. Maybe Montreal will put us out of our misery. Um, that would be the worst of all worlds. It would, because they'll bring they'll have away supporters and they're pretty obnoxious. So on that note, and they have we, reason to be because we say Tic Tac Tabernacle. Who yeah. the fuck's the impact? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of yeah. Well. A little weak. Yeah, especially if you're doing it for five years and six years in a row. Yeah. Okay, so on that note, we got Steve Perry, Sparky Clark here. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys later. Eastside Stand Up is the only Toronto specific podcast breaking down the game right after it happens. We want you to get involved. Reach out to us on Twitter at Red Nation Online or on email at info at rednationonline.ca and share your thoughts on how the Reds did on the pitch today. As well, check out other podcasts on rednationonline.ca from the Black Hole and the Gaffer and Hooligan, giving you all the coverage you want on Canadian soccer. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.